0: brought to you by johnnytshirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: I'm your host, Tommy. Ashley. actually to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by johnnytshirt.com. On the Beat podcast with that brings Ross Martin and Greg Barnes with me. No Gregory Hall today. He's actually having to do some schoolwork. He's one of the few students in the area doing schoolwork. I'll go to Greg first. Greg Mac Brown in a a new way of doing things, host a Zoom teleconference today. Um, Overarching thought I got out of this is a couple things. One, nobody knows what to do really. And the bigger issue potentially is that there doesn't seem like a lot of guidance or really anything from the NCA on how schools and programs and teams should handle all this.
0: Right. I think kind of the key ingredient here is adaptation. Um, you know, as as we go through situations like this, which are unprecedented, all we can do is adapt on the fly. And the people who adapt the best are the ones who are going to come out of this uh, in, in better shape. And that's, that's the challenge. And so, as, as Max said, and we can dive into, you, they have to proceed as if there's going to be an opportunity come May, I think he said May 9th was the CDC guidelines for them, uh, to be able to have some activities. But you also have to prepare as if that's not going to happen, and it's not going to be a best-case scenario, and it's going to be summertime, at which point they have proposed for 10 days of, of spring practice, basically, in the summer, just to get a look at the guys, especially the new guys coming in. Or if that doesn't work, maybe add five days on to training camp. And so you're you're basically creating different scenarios and you're trying your best to work within the frameworks of each scenario to the best of your ability. And that's really all you can do. And we can get into the workout aspect of it, but I found that very, very interesting. I think that kind of tells the whole story of, of the challenges here kind of. And a microcosm and Ross can dive into that a little bit in a minute. Uh, but I mean, just two guys that he mentioned that explain why, how some of this stuff is transpiring. Don Chapman, uh, his sisters in Mississippi went to visit her, but then you got the matter of how do you get to San Diego? And if you get to San Diego, well, you're stuck there. And guess what? You still got an eight o'clock class. And in San Diego, an eight o'clock class is 5. A.M. That's a hurdle. Patrice Renee, he went home to Canada, gets there, and guess what happens? The place where he was going to rehab his his knee injury, his ACL, uh, is, is closed. So what does he do? And each player, I'm sure, has a different you know, situation like that where there's something that's a problem that they have to adjust to. I mean, as Max said, there's some of the players' parents have lost jobs already. Uh, that is a very stressful thing for these kids to have to deal with above and beyond academics and athletics. Uh, And, and that's, that's really the challenge. And as you said, you would think the NCAA with, with all their grand wisdom and money would come in and and really help. And to this point, there's been no guidance on how to handle really any of this. Uh, And um, you know, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more later this week, try to figure out what they're, they're doing, but, all we know right now is NCAA is trying to figure out how should how they should handle the scholarship situation, uh, both for you know the, the spring sports, of course, but also some of the winter sports. And I don't think they've thought too far ahead about the fall sports, which, of course, uh, football is, is one of those.
1: Ross, Greg sort of went there a little bit, talking about Chapman, talking about Patrice Renee, and I think Mike mentioned it as well. And his presser is – all of that stuff, academics, football, all that, some of these kids relied on being at, at Carolina to eat. Uh, I mean, public schools have gotten feeding stations set up all over everywhere, especially here in North Carolina, to try to get meals out to students that would otherwise not have them. I mean, it's not much different, I don't think, when you're talking about some of the college athletes, and it's not, not just North Carolina, it's everywhere. I mean just so much more than football to navigate through this but the aspect of a football season like greg said you have to prepare for as if it's coming
2: yeah i mean that's just a small part of how this affects things the uh you know yeah there's the financial side of a lot of these families don't have the money to provide you know really quality meals for some of these kids but from a more of a football side i mean some of these players use the off season to lose weight or to gain weight and with that comes the complicated nature of, of nutrition and diet having the right things to eat and after every workout having you know a, a post-workout shake with protein powder and different kind of supplements and all that's gone and then the traditional meals i mean when you're away from a structured program you're not gonna be eating the same um you're just not whether your mom's cooking it or you're at home or you're cooking it yourself it's not gonna be the same as as if you're in there in the um, after-workout in, in Keenan Football Center getting a meal with the team. So you're going to have – that's just one of the football effects. You're going to have players that needed to gain weight that aren't going to have the opportunity to put on weight. Um, Coach Brown talked about Kedrick Bingley-Jones, who gained 20 pounds in, in about a month and a half um, once he arrived on campus as a true freshman in January and February. And, you know, who knows if he can keep that on without the structure of a diet program and a structure of a, a conditioning, strength-conditioning program – There's probably a lot of players who need the structure to lose weight, to get where they need to be. Um, There's some linemen or or other positions as well. So that's just one small part of how this kind of affects it from a football side. Um, And we can dive into more of the the workout stuff as well and the conditioning stuff, which is interesting as well, but the the diet and um, the nutrition, just the the, the not being on campus and not having the access is going to affect um, the plan that, the, the players and the coaches had for this team and, but it affects everybody and they're going to miss the spring practice, which is critical. Whether they get that back in, in the summer, it's still going to be different where they add more time to the preseason camp. That's going to be different as well. It's just, we're in a whole new world and this is nothing we've ever faced before. So the players and coaches and staff are learning about it just like we are. And then trying to navigate it and communicate. And, and luckily, I mean, the technology now is, is I mean, if, if this happened like even 10 years ago, The the communication and technology wouldn't be where it is now where they can communicate at the drop of a pen and and video chat and video stream workouts and, and get everything you need. So luckily, the technology allows for a lot of things you couldn't even have done, you know, 10, 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how things certainly have changed. And, you know, we can talk about all that aspect of it but greg will stick to uh, i'll try to bring it back to the purely carolina football side of it and for mac brown building a program i think him in year two or going into year two this is where your sort of cultural thing uh, matters as far as if you have teams like say alabama or or clemson or these teams that have this built-in culture of success kids Come in. They follow that. Matt Brown's still working on getting back to that at Carolina. He mentioned the quote-unquote voluntary workouts that they have, and he said if somebody slacks here, they're probably going to slack at home. Speak to that portion of the job that Mac and his staff have to do somehow remotely to get these guys um, to come along and, and do what they're supposed to do, even when they're not under the direct supervision of their coaches and Brian Hess and all those guys on campus.
0: Yeah, that's that's the challenge part of it because as as you mentioned, you know when when kids go to Clemson or Alabama or any number of these well-established programs, every single class has been through the ringer and they understand what the expectations are. And while there are, certainly are guys on this team that kind of get what Mac wanted last year, We're still talking about a team that really only went through one season together. Are they where Mac wants them to be? No, no, we're close. This is a building process. I know a lot of people have very high hopes about the 2020 season. This is going to be a a number of years before this program gets to where Mac wants it to be. And a lot of that is the culture aspect. Uh, And he talked about, you know, because of the features like, like Ross mentioned, because of having zoom and FaceTime, uh, the coaches can, can meet with one another. They can talk to their individual players. They can have team meetings, all these kind of things. And all that stuff's important as well as the workouts online, all those things. Uh, but you need veteran players to keep in touch with the younger guys. Uh, and even, even if you have veteran guys, as you mentioned, Tommy, some are going to be workout warriors. You know, Cole Holcomb would never have an issue with this situation in terms of workouts. He's going to get it done. There are other guys, however, that we could point out that would really struggle here. And that's just kind of how people are wired. I mean, that's not necessarily criticizing the kids. That's just how we are. Some of us need motivation right in front of us. Others, not so much. Uh, and so it's the coach's responsibility when they're on campus to figure out who those guys are and to work on those weaknesses or at least work around those weaknesses. Uh, that That's a game changer with us. And so you have to rely on your your veterans to really reach out and be good leaders, really make sure they're making those calls and FaceTime and just check in and say, "Hey, did you get your work at a workout in today? Uh did you get two workouts in today? You know, I know you couldn't do it yesterday because you had something going on. Let's get an extra one in today." You know, uh, those types of things and it's also academically. You know, I, I thought it was interesting Max said that uh as we know all the the kids that have a spring semester class can choose to go past fail. Well, I think for a lot of us, that's a pretty easy choice, right? But some of these kids, maybe they haven't had perfect grades. And while they would like to say, yeah, I'll go past fail. They need more than just a pass. They need an actual, you a 3.0 or a 4.0 grade to help boost their GPA to make sure that they're eligible for the fall. So all these different things kind of come into play, uh, and you—if know, you have a more um, solidified culture, it would help for sure. North Carolina does not have that, but even beyond the culture aspect, a lot of it is—you know—how are the kids going to do? And I think that's uh, that's the challenge for for the players, and certainly for the coaching staff.
2: And one thing I want to add is, um, I mean, this 2020 season was supposed to be a special one for UNC. I mean, I've seen them ranked in the top 20 in a lot of uh, preseason polls, a lot of high expectations for what Sam Howell and the offense can do. And so they're kind of this could this spring could really be special in building up to what 2020 could be to get the defense back on track to fill in those holes on the defensive line. So they won't get that. I don't know how, how much that, you know, everybody's on the same playing field in terms of missed time. But, you know, UNC, like Greg alluded to, you know, this was their second spring that could really be an advantage for the Tar Heels heading into 2020. So they're missing out on that, which they could really use that extra time to build towards a, what many expect to be a pretty good 2020 with two winnable, big time, non-conference games that are winnable early in the schedule to lead into a to the ACC slate. So uh, from the angle of UNC, you know, everyone's on the same playing field, like I said, but I think it may be. We look at it from that perspective. UNC had that momentum; they needed a really good spring to to fill up some holes, to build, and they're not going to have that now.
1: Yeah, I, I think everybody on on the on its face are in the same or on the same playing field. I think programs that are already strong um, have a built in advantage through all this, and and programs like Carolina that are trying to get there, I think, like we agree that it is a bad thing to miss this. Certainly more important things going on in the world, but if this is the Inside Carolina podcast, we're talking about the effect of it on Carolina football. Let me take a second to talk about Johnny T shirt.com. Johnny t dot com, especially these days when you're at home, you can't get out, you are not allowed to get out and go forth. You can still get on johnny t dot com and order anything you need, Carolina related. There'll be some sort of football season we hope. Buy some football gear get you some basketball gear, soccer, whatever you need. And certainly you can get all your tailgate supplies and anything like that at johnnytshirt.com. If you're in Franklin Street or on Franklin Street sometime later on, stop by and see them at the store, say hello, get that great personal service inside and outside. JohnnyTshirt.com. And if you're an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, you get 10% as always off your everyday order. And as Ross Martin can specifically attest to, you attach that 10% onto a big sweatshirt sale, saves you a lot of money getting some Carolina gear when you need it these days. Inside Carolina podcast on the beat. I'm Tommy Ashley. Let's get back into it. Greg Barnes uh, freely admit I didn't see all of Mac's Zoom presser, but. but for the first 20 minutes, let's talk some takeaways, some key points he touched on deeper in the show. I'll let you go first to start it, and then Ross, we can sort of ban them about back and forth.
0: Well, I think if you want to look at a, at a positive, um, I, I think it's recruiting, and I, I think what Mac, Mac really highlighted is one benefit to recruiting in a small footprint is that it's, it's a good opportunity where your kids that are local can get home easily or their parents can come get them easily. And that actually helps when you're, you're selling UNC to these kids, when you're recruiting them in that footprint. And that's kind of an eye opener for parents. But also the fact that because they had done so much work on this current class before all this uh, COVID-19 stuff came down, they've got a pretty strong foundation already in place. And because of that, uh, they've not had to really cast a wide net. I, I, as as Mac put it, while some programs are still recruiting 100 kids and all the challenges that come with that, North Carolina is really only recruiting like 30 kids and really trying to be very specific with who they want. And because there's such an emphasis on in-state kids, uh, it's not, not that wide net. And so uh, while recruiting momentum has slowed down a little bit, just because everything has slowed down, uh, he he pointed to the fact that you know they had three kids here recently that that all wanted to commit. So uh, they're getting very close to kind of filling this class out. Still have a long way to go, but they're in ideal position currently. And the fact that they're not recruiting that many more kids, they can continue those conversations. And they don't have to make a million phone calls. They can just talk to a kid here or there and make sure they they check those boxes. Uh, and and be able to maintain those relationships much more effectively. So it didn't seem like he was much concerned with with the recruiting dynamic, as as I know some fans probably are.
2: Yeah, and and Greg, there you know the fact that the 2021 class is loaded in state. There's the the idea that you know a lot of parents might want in a crisis like this. Is it's very convenient if you go to the in-state school. You're an hour, two hours, two and a half hours up the road. You know. There's a lot more guys in the state that UNC wants to get. So the fact that this crisis can happen and things like this are weird, it, it kind of brings into mind how important it can be to stay close to home, and that just times well for UNC not to take advantage of a bad situation. But, you know, a guy from Charlotte who may be looking at Ohio State or Georgia or Alabama, he, may, he and his family may think, wow, I mean, this is crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's super special to be close to home, be able to drive back, and and that is just a, a small thing, a, a positive thing for UNC football. That a crisis like this kind of opens your eyes to, to to how important it is to be close to home, and that plays well for the 2021 class, um, which UNC has has really done real, real well in state in the state, and almost halfway done to filling out the class.
1: Ross on that recruiting thing, and he mentioned, uh, I believe Mac mentioned, you know, getting back to the to maybe on campus visits uh, you know do you think any of this especially down the line changes what mac brown does i know you and don talk about the strategy a lot but do you think ultimately mac changes any sort of approach as a result uh, of this situation Yeah, I
2: mean, I guess it it puts them back in the calendar a little bit. I'm sure they would have a a couple more guys committed that would visit during March and April for spring practices for the spring spring game. So the lack of on-campus visits maybe just moves the calendar back a month or two, but they're still in good position with a lot of players, I'm sure, and the fact that some of these guys can't go visit, you know, make those spring break visits, make those – visits for spring practices to other schools Ab state likely helps unc again with the proximity and and how how, you know the in-state school is at an advantage in a situation like this um so i yeah i think like greg alluded to you know it helps a school that is you know has an established recruiting class already with you know eight nine ten plus players which unc has they can be more selective with who they recruit but um you'll just see more commitments i guess in june and july when this thing opens up and players can take more visits because a lot of people, you know, in the spring and summer when official visits start start cooking is when guys make decisions, some of the higher, more elite guys as well. So that's the only difference I say. And I I would say I see. And um, of course, yeah, Mac does like to lock things up in the summer for the upcoming class. Yeah, I, I just think,
1: you know, a lot of schools rely on certain dates, the spring game or whatever. And, it, and I just maybe. Who knows what happens down the line, but I think not relying on a certain big event as being, you know, that day where they're going to get a lot of work done on the recruiting trail and attack it a different way. I don't know. I'll just spitball in there, Ross. Tell me something, Mac Brown talked about later in the podcast or later in the press conference that
2: maybe caught your ear. Yeah, I mean, one one workout thing that I thought was interesting um, was that it seems like it's kind of crazy, but you know, I think. Groups of players are are tied in with a strength conditioning coach and they communicate with that strength conditioning coach. So all the wide receivers and cornerbacks are with one coach, all linemen with one coach and um, you know, all the quarterbacks or other skill positions are with one coach and they're doing zoom press conferences with, you know, 10 players or so. And coach Hess is showing them the workout and they're leading a workout just like that, scheduling a time and doing essentially a series of of strength conditioning exercises together on video as if they're in the same room but just through zoom or, or or another you know teleconference type situation and i thought it was kind of interesting to, to visualize you know the, the actual strength conditioning coach doing the exercises with them showing it to them and they're all kind of watching each other on their computer or on their phone it's just a it's a crazy visual to um to kind of imagine them doing that and it, it, they're actually working out together. And Of course, there was an article in Sports Illustrated about them using things around their house. Because think about this: you know, usually these guys would go to their high school gym, or maybe they have a membership to plant Fitness with their family or the YMCA. But all those places are closed now, so they have to use what's around their house. They have to use weights they may have. They have to put together their own weights. Mac Brown mentioned, um, you know, water jugs or, or filling book bags with weights or, or sand or anything they have to add weight and use that for exercises and using coffee tables as benches and things like that. I thought that was kind of interesting thing of how they're getting creative and doing different kinds of workouts around the house to, to maintain their strength. Cause it's be hard to, to really build and get really strong with all the structure they've had. So they're trying their best there. Of course, I think we have to, we have to talk about Kevin Donnelly as well at some point.
1: Yep. I was coming there after break. Going to take another short break, pay the bills, come back. We'll talk about Kevin Donnelly. And whatever else Greg and Ross want to talk about when we come back on the On The Beat podcast.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
1: We're back. This is Tommy Ashley. We've got Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, on the Beat Inside Carolina podcast, certainly sponsored by johnnytshirt.com. Greg Barnes, the hiring of Kevin Donnelly. I'll tell you what, Mac Brown loves him some former players, but he had a good rationale for it um, when he was discussing the hire. I'll let you discuss that portion of it, and then we can talk about it a little bit deeper.
0: Well, Max's Max whole thing is, because he's coached for so long, He wants guys around him that know how, knows how he operates, right? Roy Williams is kind of the same way. Uh, But also because he wants recruits to understand what it's like to play for, for Mac Brown and how better to do that than to bring guys on staff that actually played uh, and graduated under Mac. So they understand what it's about. And so when a recruit asks Dre Bly a question about, Hey, what happens when we do this? What happens when we do this as a player? We make this mistake. Drake can give him a legitimate answer, not only as a coach, but as a player who played under Mac. And so I think it's a very uh, smart approach. And it kind of, you, you talk about culture. I mean, that's the culture you want, right? I mean, <laughs> I think anybody listening to this, when you think about the glory days of UNC football, at least in the modern era, it really was the the mid nineties when when Mac was here and they were your top ten teams and you had a top five matchup between FSU and North Carolina on a Saturday night in, in November, right? And when you have guys like a Fig Pen and a Dre Bly and a Donnelly, you know, Corey Holiday and Rick Steinbacher, all these guys that were around during that period. Uh, they can share what it was like. They they understand what it takes to get to that level. And the more you, yes, you have guys in, in the support staff with Corey and Steinbacher. you got guys on the coaching staff with uh, Fig and, and Dre Bly. And now you got a guy in the recruiting ranks. So you've got them all over the program that can address various questions uh, from various manners, and I think that's a, a very smart thing. The fact that uh, Donnelly, you know, played for you know a dozen years or so in the NFL, uh, he's got experience as a high school coach. All those things really come together to make it just what seems to be a very solid hire in terms of resume. And uh, Ross can probably add a little bit more to it.
2: Yeah, I'll just I'll just jump in here. So uh, Kevin Donnelly replace kind of replaces John Mark Hamilton. had a little bit different role. I think he was more tied into recruiting. His title was player personnel and director of high school relations. He was brought in by Larry Fedora during the last two years of Lawrence's reign in Chapel Hill. Um, And then I think it felt like John Mark Hamilton kind of got demoted a little bit when they brought in Billy High to be the recruiting coordinator. And John John Mark Hamilton has since left UNC to become an assistant pastor at Grace Church in Chapel Hill did some research on that for the podcast no big deal and um, and so Kevin Donnelly comes in and gets and takes a role that Jason Tudrin had under Fedora as well as director of high school relations you know it's all high school it's talking with coaches uh, improving that relationship any questions high school coaches have for the staff kind of goes through Donnelly now um, reading some stuff on the release now. Fostering strong relationship with these coaches, enhancing recruiting efforts in different areas. Um, oversee high school communication. Serve as the practice guest liaison and assist with recruiting events and visits. So anytime a bunch of high school kids come on campus or come for a game or come for a, a special event, it kind of goes through Donnelly. And, and he's actually working in Charlotte right now, where a, a wealth of UNC's recruiting happens. He's Obviously remote as all his staff is, but he's staying in Charlotte right now and beginning his work in the Queen City. Um, and I think the the time he spent at UNC Charlotte and in Charlotte with the Carolina Panthers obviously uh, plays a, a huge role for the Tar Heels there. And, and the fact that he played at Carolina, has coached offensive line before, but also was an NFL offensive lineman um, and, and went through Mac Brown. Coach working under Mac Brown is huge, and it's just uh, another added player that can, you know, not only has the the football acumen, but has uh, the enthusiasm and relationships with the Charlotte area, and um, has kind of I think he played high school football in Raleigh as well. So the ties are pretty deep in the state with uh, Kevin Donnelly, um adding to UNC staff. Uh, Tommy, do you remember him as a player? Uh, they, yeah, he's my age.
1: He yeah, graduated
2: a, in, I believe ninety one. I graduated in ninety three. So. Guard, uh, third round NFL draft pick, so pretty good player. Thirteen year NFL veteran, so pretty good player. I'd never, I'd never heard the name before.
1: Yeah, he. um, Back then, Mac Brown had some some studs across the offensive line. He was one of them. But Ross, is there a more important position for in-state recruiting, especially than Kevin Donnelly's position in your mind?
2: For on UNC staff, yeah, other than Mac Brown. I mean, I, I think the coaching staff, they can actually make the visits and talk with players. So I think a, a really good recruiter on the coaching staff can play a bigger role. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think maintaining the relationships with the high schools is huge. But I, I think a, a coaching, a member of the actual coaching staff has, can have more of an influential and impactful role. I don't know. And the recruiting coordinator, what Billy High does, is huge, too, and some of the on-campus like, uh, I remember Annie Martin. She was and she was critical for UNC when she was there on her fedora, and the recruiting really jumped up during her two years in Chapel Hill. She had a big role, too. So it's a, it's a group effort. I mean, I think everybody has an important role, but I, I think this is a, a great hire, and it, it checks all the boxes with Donnelly. And it, it should be exciting to see kind of what changes and what happens, and if there is really an immediate impact, and um, all signs point to positive. Last question for both of you. I'll start with you, Greg.
1: Is there going to be a 2020 season?
0: Woo! I
2: asked There's, Mac that.
0: Yep. Yeah, Ross got a good response from Mac, and we'll actually you can you can look on the website and uh, read a read an article on that uh, very topic. But when listening to Mac, um, he seems he seems a bit concerned, as he said. Quote, coaches really have no clue. There's fear of fall and there is fear about the season, whether or not they'd have a partial season. And what does a partial season mean? Uh, I think the way that things are shaping up, I mean, for those of us in in North Carolina, we're looking at May 15th before kids potentially can go back to uh, schools. and you know, after that we're projecting, but even if we're saying, you know, mid, mid May, before things start to kind of get back on track, you've lost a full spring practice schedule. And so as Max said, you know, they have proposed getting 10 practices in the summertime uh, to, to be able to make up for that lost time. Or you know, if that doesn't work, add five extra days to training camp. But if this, Extends an extra month, just an extra month from now, right? We're already talking May fifteenth. If we're talking middle of June, well, now all of a sudden, I mean, you're really pushing it in terms of getting ready for the season. Uh, you know, from my vantage point, I don't think that's going to be realistic. I think it's going to be July or August, kind of best case scenario for us. And if it is August one, you know, Bronco Men all said it. If it's August one. And that's when you're trying to get eight months of uh, conditioning stuff back in place and and education and training back in place of August 1 or starting on August 1, good luck having that ready before the the opening weekend, which I think is the end of August this year. Uh, And so if, if we get to June and they're still not able to do anything, NCAA is going to have to have a very difficult conversation, and I like Broncos' idea of you know what, if it's going to be August, let's go ahead and take yeah, let's take six weeks. That's kind of my number. Let's take six weeks. Allow the guys to slowly get acclimated, then put them through four weeks of really hard training. That gets you into mid September, and at that point, you you cut it back. You you scrape away the non conference games. You make it just a conference season. You play your eight games. You have an ACC title game. Uh, you check the box and you go into the next year. I think it's going to be very tough for for us to get a full 2020 year in. Um, but, again, that's not a best-case scenario. That's that's my expectation of this thing lasting until late summer, at which point they may not have a choice.
1: Ross, what do you think Think <laughs> it happens? I mean, I, I don't understand how you – I don't know. You can't cancel it all, Greg, like we talked about because of money. Um, But you start knocking out some of these big time non-conference games. And and then what about schools that have non-conference games deeper in the schedule? How do you match up the. you, You know, how do you match it up or you just play the schedule? It is Ross, a lot of uncertainty going into the fall.
2: Yeah, as my yoga teacher told me when I saw her on Thursday. She says who the f knows. Um, I mean <laughs> no one I mean no one knows. Cuz we don't know how I don't think we've gotten to the worst of it yet. So we're still in the upward part of this uh curve. And I don't think we've taken this seriously as as South Korea and China who are now on the who handled it, you know, once they got things straight, handled it right it seems like, you know, there have been no new cases in China, I think. That's been the news in recent recent days. So they're on the downward side, and they kind of got started in December. So now it's March, so that's four months. So, yeah, I mean, things may not be back to normal until June or July. So, I mean, I think there's time. I think if if things can really slow down here in April, then um, can can get back on track. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think it's going to be a while before it gets – until it gets better so i think the plan would be get to get players back on campus by july would be would be ideal and you go from there and if that happens i think it would be good for a for a september 1st or around that time start but there's a lot of time between now and then a lot can happen but it seems like people are taking it pretty seriously now and it seems like the social distancing and and everything's been canceled and closed and everything's everything's shut down so i think that's a positive for for getting it done quickly and moving on but It's just crazy seeing the NCAA tournament canceled, you know. We'd be in the middle of it right now. We missed that first weekend. So they're not afraid to do the right thing and cancel a lot of things. You know, it sucks that UNC didn't get their pro day. I mean, Jason Strobridge and Charlie Heck were at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine. But guys like Aaron Crawford, Miles Dorn, um, a lot of other seniors, uh, Antonio Williams – uh, Dominique Ross, none of them got a chance to have their pro day. And some of the guys make some money off that pro day. And that's just another side effect. I mean, they'll never have that pro day. So it's really going to affect what they can make in the NFL and where they get drafted because they didn't get a chance to shine. So things like that, it's just crazy what's happening. I and mean, it's kind of a tangent, but it's one of the many effects. And uh, luckily in South Carolina, we're good. But how's it, what's it going on with the, the kids? How's it affect you all with March, with May 15th? I was wondering that. Ooh, mine are old enough. Yeah, mine are.
0: It sucks. <laughs>
2: greg you can work from home though you can you can work and be a dad as well
0: uh yeah yep
2: yeah. <laughs> there, the, some of the funniest things i've seen is
1: you know day one of homeschooling my kids already been expelled i mean <laughs> it's crazy my my hardest part as a father of a teenagers is getting them to get off the video games long enough yeah. to do something so
2: so are they know. doing are they- they having like projects and, and assignments from from their teachers and stuff. It started not yet? This week. Yeah. yeah, ours is not in full
1: bloom yet, but it's supposed to start this week, and we'll see what happens. I mean, but there's so many things you don't think about until you're here. And and Greg, yours is a little younger, but ours have AP classes and all that kind of stuff, and they handle those differently. And then they have. Um, classes at a local community college. So it's just a big cluster. Um, but good luck getting people. It's like Matt Brown talked about good luck getting some that aren't dedicated to do exactly yeah. what they're supposed to
2: do. And, but luckily, technology now allows, I mean, definitely high school and middle school students to do a lot of their stuff online. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, that couldn't happen for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of resources online, especially for, for my kids' ages, uh, to be able to get them to do a lot of, of work, even if it's not. Uh, necessarily pertaining to their actual classwork, but it's still grade level appropriate. Uh, and provided you have access to internet and to computers, which which is one of the issues is that you know, a lot of people do not, um, but provided you have those luxuries, you can you can maintain that knowledge base. Because as you guys know, it's, it's not as big of a deal now because so many schools have the year-round schooling. But when we were kids, and it's kind of how my kids are now, you get out first week of June. You don't go back till September. Those three months, if you don't do anything, I mean, your brain just goes to rot. And yeah. even now in the summertime, we've we've had our kids uh, do schoolwork to kind of keep their brains active. I think that's more important than anything.
1: Yeah, I've said email assignments on Monday. And if you don't have access to the internet then you go to by the school and pick up a packet and then turn it in on friday I, that's the only thing i know they can do we'll see how they handle it good luck for those uh high school seniors that are trying to graduate and all that kind of stuff i mean it's just a complete chaotic situation but we'll figure out a way through it just like we made it through this inside carolina podcast it was it was rocky on my part at times i apologize for that but greg and ross as you're they uh
0: as a lead producer, Tommy, you're going to have to do better. Oh,
1: yeah. really? We got to give you some sports content to talk about because I I can't BS about bourbon and all that kind of stuff as long as it takes. So.
0: We can talk bourbon all day long if you want, Tommy.
1: All right, that'll be next on the Inside Carolina Bourbon Poser
0: podcast.
1: <laughs> Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, appreciate y'all taking time to join me. Appreciate
2: it, Tommy.
0: Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by t shirtcom Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.
2: The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount. What we'll brings you to the show. Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side.
0: Never should a sent a boy to do a woman's job.
2: The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit paramountplus.com/slash The Shy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.